This week on The Zone of Truth, mysteries abound as Griff and I review the truly Wonder World seltzer pack, reintroduce fan favorite segment Power Rank Kill for the 2E Oracle Mysteries, and of course answer some listener questions. I'm your host Steve in the studio with your GM and my co-host Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in The Zone of Truth. And we're back. Yeah, we're back. All right. Addressing something right up at the top. Got to do it. Yeah. Last month said we were going to get 12 guests this year. <laughs> we're not having a guest for March. Oh, no. <laughs> Immediately broke that Immediately. promise. And people were really excited about that. Um, listen, we had some COVID going around. I know you and Haley had a pretty rough time with it. And all of our recording got shifted. And frankly, we're recording this in the morning before we record to bestow curses and then do drunken disorderly. It's a busy day. <laughs> yeah, it's a busy day. And like, this is the only time we can do it. So we're not getting a guest this month because scheduling's wild. We'll get back uh, in April, probably. Uh, but yeah, still definitely going to try and keep the momentum up. That being said, Griff, how you doing, man? I'm doing okay. I, yeah. uh, you know, I feel fully recovered from the COVID that knocked mm-hmm. me out. So uh, that's a good thing. Glad to hear that. Ready to drink a little bit today. Me too. Play a lot of games. It's been a long time since we've played 2E, feels like. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you what. I won't say what number. I won't get into any specifics. But we played Malevolence last night. And whew, that was a banger of an app. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And we're getting close to the end. I think we kind of have settled on a number. What's going to be the finale of Malevolence. But there's a little bit of sway. I'll defer to you if you want to shout out that number. Maybe, maybe not, but we're close. I mean, it sounds like it will be less than halfway through the 30s. Yes. (laughs) I won't give an exact number (laughs) because I don't want to put that on Chris, but it sounds like it will be in the lower half of the 30s that we finish. And we're starting to get some speak with plants recordings on the the schedule schedule for the first three. Yeah. I think we're going to drop as a big old chunk, right? I think we're at least dropping a chunk of two. Yeah. We might be dropping a chunk of two to the freeple. Uh-huh. And a chunk of three to the paying customers. We'll see. You're welcome. All right, man. Well, besides that, what you been up to? You know, being sick for a week, I got to kind of watch some stuff because we weren't recording. I watched the Jinji Ito compilation on oh, Netflix. Um, I'm about halfway through that. The animated thing. It's uh, it's wild. Yeah. There's a lot of crazy stories in that series. So I finished that whole thing up. I feel like there's some ups and some downs with that one. There's a, a few yeah. of the segments are just like, I don't really, either it didn't translate great to anime mm-hmm. or it was just like stories that I think are a little weaker of his but there are some bangers in there man that's who don't watch that late at night yeah yeah that was definitely freaky uh, finished Record of Ragnarok season 2 holy shit that was fun mm-hmm. the two main fights this time are Hercules versus Jack the Ripper which mm-hmm. it starts off with and is just the coolest fight of the series and then it's like this famous Japanese sumo wrestler versus Shiva. Let's go. And it's just like an all out like physical battle, which is, it was also very fun. 
and it's kind of like planting the seeds for the future stuff. I've heard like one of the human combatants or one of the fights that's coming up is Nikola Tesla versus Beezlebub. Holy shit. So I guess if you kind of know what the matchups are going to be, I'm assuming this is based off like a pre-existing manga or something. Yeah, it's it's a manga that is translated into an anime, I guess. So, and the, the manga is not finished, obviously. So there may be like five fights ahead in okay. the manga or something. Um, I mean, if they're only doing a few a season. Yeah, it's, all, it's only like two or three per season because usually the, the seasons are like 10-ish episodes and the fights are usually about four episodes, mm-hmm. but they kind of flash between like the actual fighting and then like the history of each of the people that are fighting. So they give you like the history of that deity or whatever. Okay. And, that's like the history of the person. That's cool because sometimes you hear about these like these anime that have fights that go over multiple episodes and it's like this could really have just been one so yeah. it's cool to see that there's some like the quote-unquote filler is like interesting you know yeah, yeah. I, I would say like the the hercules jack the ripper fight was definitely a multi-episode fight without any of the filler it was like brutal <laughs> this season in particular was gory as hell Maybe I'll watch this tonight after Discord early. Because I haven't started the show yet, and you rave about it all the time. It's just like tournament arc porn. Like, that's what it is. Sign me up. So, yeah, we finished that up. That was really fun. And I started playing the new Digimon World game. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm hooked. Uh, it, It reminds me so much of the original Digimon World, but you have two partner Digimon instead of one. And it's much more like instead of the Pokemon formula, which is like a traditional, like, battling shit jrpg Mm -hmm. it's much more like a raising your digimon thing so like you train them and you have to feed them and they like it's 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 like the pokemon formula plus the entirety of raising a creature so like you have to send them to the bathroom when they have to go (laughs) like they have they have like an attitude towards you like they you know it's like part tamagotchi in that way so it's really fun so I've been playing the heck out of that. Hell yeah, man. Well, on my end, very quickly, I just got to plug some of these new singles that are dropping from the Enishikari album that's coming out, I believe, in May. I think the album itself is called A Kiss for the Whole World. They dropped three singles so far as of time of recording. We got Please Set Me on Fire. We got Bloodshot. We got It Hurts. Three for three bangers. I called it in the Discord after the last single, Bloodshot, dropped. I was just like, hey, this is gonna probably be my album of the year and it's not even gonna be close all of these songs are straight fire it's like a a real distilled enter shikari super frenetic super fast super upbeat boy really exciting to listen to and i'm very excited to see what the rest of the album has in store but i need to pivot to the other thing that i want to talk about because this is something that kind of consumed my life and sent me into an existential crisis for like three days last week. All right. So Neon Genesis Evangelion is some of the best media out there. It's so fucking good. I don't want to speak too much about the back half of the series because it grows into something strange, but the show is it it takes place in the future. It's an anime that came out in the 90s, 26 episodes, followed up by a movie that's literally called The End of Evangelion. 
as you're getting through it, it is a kind of mech suit anime where mech suit kids fight otherworldly giant creatures called angels and you don't know what they're trying to do, but they are trying to like attack humanity. It's kind of post-apocalyptic, little retro futurism, but once you kind of get to the halfway mark of the show, it starts to get really philosophical and the battles get more and more intense and you start to unravel what's actually happening behind the scenes of the show. By the end of the series, it just devolves into madness. And then the movie, the end of Evangelion comes in and it is just unbelievable. I can't describe how good this fucking movie is. Some of the best anime action I've ever seen with some of the best character development I've seen in shows, anime, movies, doesn't matter. And by the end of it, it ends in a way that was satisfying for someone with my personality. And I came out of that movie being like, damn, like, how do I see value in myself and value in others? And like, what is my place in the human race? What is the human race's place in the world? It it seems like it, it sounds like I'm like kind of like puffing this thing up, but it just asks a lot of questions in a really interesting way and explores things that I wasn't really ready for. And I'm really, really glad that I saw it. So if you're interested in anime and want to see some really cool monster mech fights and also like question what your purpose on Earth is, give it a shot. <laughs> it's, really, it's really fucking good. But you had COVID, Griff. Yeah. I think we know where we got it from. Yep. <laughs> we got to talk about the Michigan Nordic Fire Fest that we went to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, We can't cover everything. Oh, but it was because, like... It because was there's like, like 20 stories from that weekend that uh, we shouldn't say on air. It was but, some of the most fun, holy though. Holy shit. That whole festival was an absolute blast. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was worth, in my opinion, traveling for and getting like an Airbnb and... um you know, it, it was worth, I mean, it only happens once a year mm -hmm. and there were just a ton of cool vendors and events and bands and they burnt a long ship, yeah. even though it wasn't like a full, I mean, it was a big pile of wood long mm -hmm. ship. That thing burned for eight hours. Yeah. And just the, the whole vibe of the festival was a little bit different than like your average Ren fair. Granted, like, we don't work at Ren Fairs, so I'm sure, like, a Ren Fair gets to that vibe at a certain point, but, like... It just felt like the buy-in was there. Yeah, it was very blurred lines between, like, you're working the festival or you're just there because mm -hmm. it's a, it's a you know, three-day festival that only happens once a year. You know, the whole thing was open till, like, midnight, so in that way, it just felt, like, much longer, mm -hmm. like, than a Ren Fair. You can explore the grounds. You can watch people do like period appropriate stuff, like actual blacksmithing, do all sorts of competitions and games and, and shit. You could go shop in these vendor hall tents and then just like fucking party till midnight in, yeah. in this giant circus tent size mead hall. Yeah. It's nuts. And what I'll also say is, you know, going into this, whether you've heard it on this show or maybe our mainline show where it's brought up, like, I feel like you, myself, Haley, and Eric, we all went together and we all just kind of collectively said, let's go for it. Yeah, let's and go we, hard as fuck. We all like four for four. I feel like we all had amazing costumes. And what I've said to people who have asked me like how the festival went, 
I've been saying to people, I've never felt more popular in my life. And that's not hyperbolic. That's not like me making a joke out of the thing. We had dozens of people coming up to take photos with us, mm -hmm. of us, just like shoot the shit with us because we all looked badass. You had your homemade leather armor. Yeah, I was getting like people asking me what my like website is. Yeah, you were trying to like, get your fucking business is, card. Yeah, like, can I get your business card? Can I, you know? There's like giant dudes were like, oh, I can't ever buy armor anywhere. Mm -hmm. Can you make me custom? I'm like, geez, this is my first leather project, man. Yeah, <laughs> I was in like basically head to toe black fur with this giant like ram skull headdress, eyes blacked out with paint, uh, looking like some sort of like pagan shaman or something. And I was just walking around scaring kids and getting people thirsty. It was great. Had the time of my fucking life. I can't wait to go back next year. And honestly, I think we need to start looking for stuff like that in the meantime, because I had a riot and just want to keep doing this. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, I think these like one-off festivals are probably like the kind of thing to go to. Not to say that I'm not going to buy a season pass to the Ohio Ren Fair this year. But mm -hmm. like I, you know, we met a bunch of people from like the Michigan Ren Fair because it was in Michigan, and it's like, oh, that's not that far away from us. We should at least go to that once. Yeah, you know, like I've heard the Maryland Ren Fair is very fun, but like I don't really know much about these like smaller festivals, and this one was like uniquely weird in that it was us, a bunch of other people going way too hard, <laughs> and then like the entire town of Charlotte, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> truthfully. <laughs> it was such a riot. I can't wait to do it again. Griff, how do you feel about trying some truly Wonderworld seltzers? Oh boy, I feel wonderful about it. Me too. So what do we got going on here? We got three new refreshingly light seltzer styles with a hidden twist of fruit flavor in each, plus one mystery flavor that will test your taste buds. What will it be? Sip to see. We don't know. We didn't look it up. Uh, we're going to do that once we try it to see if, you know, there's a general consensus online of what this is supposed to be and see if we can guess it correctly. But we're talking 5% ABV, one gram of sugar, 100 calories. What are our flavors? Oh, we got some wild sounding ones, or at least some strangely named ones. We have Citrus Clouds, Peach Drop, Strawberry Breeze, and Wonder What. Very excited for that one. So how are we gonna rate these seltzers? Well, of course, we're gonna go with some common mystery stuff. So one out of five, that's Mysterious which is a deep cut for your office fans out there. It's the clothing company that made Michael Scott's female suit that he was wearing in season three, episode 19 of the show. <laughs> I don't know why that name just stuck with me. I thought it was funny. Mysterious. Mystery Science Theater 3000 is two out of five. Three out of five is the Beatles Magical Mystery Tour. Four out of five is the Mystery Airhead Flavor. And five out of five is the Mystery Machine. So... How do you feel about this, man? What do you think it truly is going to deliver today? <sighs> I, I'm a little worried about the Wonder What. Mm -hmm. I think the rest of the flavors kind of sound pretty basic. Agreed. And I wonder if they're just kind of like relabeled other flavors that Truly does. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Truly, like this Citrus Clouds, it's got a lime on the can. If it's not their fucking regular lime flavor, I'll be shocked. Right. You know, so it's going to be lime, peach, and strawberry. 
Do you think maybe the Wonder What flavor is like the mystery dum-dum that famously keeps changing because it's when they change the flavor in the factory from one flavor to the other and the two flavors blend together? That would be interesting. Would be kind of cool. Uh, I got to think that the mystery flavor is a flavor that they already do. Probably. That they're just calling mystery. If I had to guess on like what might complete this pack and what I may be hopeful for is uh, I know they do a good pineapple. Ooh. I think pineapple yeah. would be good in this pack because you have a lime. I'm going to guess a lime citrus and a pineapple is a nice different citrus to go with your peach and berry. Let's get into it, man. Let's talk about citrus clouds. Copy here is imagine skydiving out of an airplane and into a farmer's market full of strictly lemons, limes, and oranges. That's citrus clouds in a nutshell. Got some fun shit on the can here. It says head in the clouds. Time to give this one a sip. Well, if it smells like a lime and it tastes like a lime. I don't like it. No, it's not good. It's a fucking traditional classic macro seltzer lime. 100%. There are other citrus flavors in there. You are getting a little hint of other citrus. I do get a little lime and orange together, but it's just kind of like that generic citrusy flavor. Very lime forward. Yeah, that's a... uh, Cloying. That's a mystery science theater to me. 100%. Yeah, we're right in lockstep there. Mystery science theater 3000. That's a two out of five. I'm very not excited about that flavor. Yeah, next guy is peach drop. If a perfectly ripe peach fell directly from a tree into a can of seltzer, this is what it would taste like. In other words, very, very, very good. Where was your... Uh, oh, uh, life's a peach. Is, hmm. there, uh, is there a little tagline on this can? Yep, it's peach. I think that's a fine peach flavor. Yeah, I mean, it's not... I'm not mad about it. It's the Beatles' magical mystery tour to me. 100% that's where my mind was going to. Boy, yeah, so far, we're two for two here in matching exactly where we would put this. Yeah, nothing, not bad. Nothing's uh, not smashing great. it out of the park here, though. Mm-hmm. The perfectly acceptable peach, but artificial peach for sure. Yeah. And I've definitely had, like, a cleaner peach. Yeah, 100%. It's just fine. What'll be the make or break of this pack, I think, is a strawberry that we're going to try in a second. Ooh. because. You know how we feel about strawberries. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like, you know. I think strawberry is my favorite fake fruit flavor, but it just misses so often in seltzers. Yeah, it misses more than it hits in seltzers, unfortunately. 100%. So like standing across from a field of fresh strawberries during a windstorm, strawberry breeze is light, airy, and shockingly refreshing. The can says, very blissful. Let's give it a shot. Hmm. Hmm, miss. Wind up and a miss. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's just fucking classic <laughs> strawberry seltzer. <laughs> it's not as syrupy as some of the ones that we've had, which yeah, is a I was just good about, point in its favor. I was just about to say, and let me know if this sounds crazy, but the strawberry flavor of this tastes a little bit more real yeah. strawberry flavor than like your candy strawberry flavor, which should sound like a point in its favor. But real strawberry flavor is not as good as candy yeah. strawberry well, flavor. The other thing is because they they go a little bit more real in this one, that makes the flavor weaker. Yeah. And it's a classic problem that people have with seltzers is the like, oh, well, that's just strawberry static. It's like, I kind of get that with this mm-hmm. one. It's very light on flavor at all. 
Yeah. What do you think you're giving this? I mean, I think I'm still going to give it a Beatles Magical Mystery Tour. My head was I, think it, I think it's just fine. It's just for this pack, it needed to be like a four or a five to kind of pull the rest of the pack together. We needed an anchor flavor and we don't yeah. have that. Although, you know, we'll see if this Wonder What is the anchor flavor. Stylized as Wonder What, three periods, then a question mark. Yep. So, uh, Wonder What? If we told you what this was, it wouldn't be a secret. But trust us, it's delightful. Taste the mystery. Oh, boy. All right, so... Um, Notably, last time we had mystery seltzers on this show was... Nearly threw up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, bud. Okay, okay. I'm not going to say anything until you have a sip. Hmm. Did I fucking nail it or did I nail it? That's their fucking yeah. pineapple flavor. I think you're right. That's their fucking That's pineapple. That's got to be... It's a thousand percent the truly pineapple. Does it have a little mango or something in there? Maybe, but it's it's yeah. there. It's there. It's, it's literally the same are, flavor as their canned pineapple or pineapple. I, I'm mango. not. I'm not saying you're wrong. Their 110 percent is a pineapple forward flavor in here. I just want to see if there's a little bit more complexity here, or it's just what it is. I think there might be. That's crazy that you just fucking called that. That's insane. I was just thinking, like, what brings the pack together? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. What is the truly mystery flavor? Mystery flavor. Fuck's sake. Truly explains as a real fruit combination. So surprising. We're asking drinkers to help us name it. The it's, fuck? it's, I don't know. To me, it's nearly the exact same as another can that they have. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very pineapple forward. So if there's something else in that. It's about as subtle as like the orange was in the citrus clouds. Okay, I'm going to uh, Drizzly comments and a tweet. Drizzly never fucking helps. I don't know. Somebody's calling it sweet and sour fizz. Berry blast? That's fucking wrong. Um, Springs? This? These people on Twitter are fools. Blood orange. So, all right. So, what are we looking at? We're looking at a thread where Truly is asking people to name this flavor. And there's some insane ones Sunset Siren, Midnight Magic, Blood Orange Eclipse, like that. Then, Pleasurable Punch. Love it. All right. Well, we must stop this, but they're 100% is at least pineapple in here. We got to rate this bitch. Where do you got it, man? Uh, this one's the mystery airhead flavor you of the pack. So? I think it's the best one of the pack. This is where I think I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit. I'm throwing it at the Beatles Magical Mystery Tour. This is fine, but like it's still kind of sharp and weird. And I wish it wasn't this. I wish it was like coconut or bubble gum or some shit, which I know wouldn't really, maybe coconut would, but like- Wouldn't really sell I want, well. I want something to be a miss, like a cool mystery flavor. Like if, I don't know, there, you got us all hyped up about a big, like mystery NPC coming back for the finale of Carrion Crown. And it's like, it's Horus. We'd be like, oh, okay, well, I mean, that's fun, but like... But yeah, it's not... Well, maybe horse. It's not clever. It's a bad example. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like, I don't know. Or like, oh, Kendra's back. Well, we kind of knew that. I don't know. I don't think I'm doing a great job explaining, but I think you probably know what I'm saying, right? I know what you're saying. It's not clever. Yes. This mystery flavor is not clever. That's, that's exactly what I called it as, which is just a repackaging of one of their other popular flavors. 
All right, man. Well, let's just go ahead and hit the summary here. Would world-renowned Benoit Blanc be able to crack the case of this perplexing seltzer pack? Immediately. <laughs> Fuck, I did it before we tasted one. Yeah. Do you think Benoit Blanc would enjoy it? Uh, I'm going to say probably not. Like, the mystery would make him mad that it was so yeah. simple. And the seltzers aren't that good. So truly generally is fine. And I guess as far as this pack goes, it's serviceable. But yeah. beyond that, it's definitely a drinkable pack. It's just, you know, it's nothing special. Yeah. And it's a shame because I think of the larger seltzer companies, I think truly has maybe had some of the better mm -hmm. like standout packs. You know what I mean? Like they, they've, they've kind of. They're the only ones that of the like big macros that we've had packs where we kind of thought, okay, this is this is like a five out of five pack for sure. All right. Well, we got to split these up. You rated the mystery higher if you want to take that mystery. Yeah, I'll take the mystery. And In then, which case, I'm grabbing peach. That's fine. I don't know. How are you feeling? Do you want like peach strawberry? <laughs> yes. Okay. Much more than I want the citrus, which I hated. Let's move it along here. We are doing a reintroduction of a segment we did one time called Power Rank Kill. Oracle. I like this segment. We I should do fun. this segment more. We should, because we could do anything with it. But this is Oracle Mysteries Edition. So welcome back to Power Rank Kill, a segment where Griff and I discuss the pros and cons of Pathfinder options, ultimately assigning rankings with S being the highest tier, followed by A, B, C, then finally D for the weakest. This week, we're contemplating the 10 mysteries of divisive class from the Advanced Player's Guide in 2E, The Oracle. Hey, you know what's cool about this segment? You can play along. I actually made a power ranking thing for this on tierlists.com. I'm going to go ahead and be sharing that in the Discord. You think we got it right? Great. If you didn't, show us what yours looks like. That's fun. What are the Oracle mysteries? We have Ancestors, Ash, Battle, Bones, Cosmos, Flames, Life, Lore, Tempest, and Time. Um, for those of you who don't really know what we're talking about or, or don't have a great understanding of the Oracle class, Oracle is a divine caster in 2E focused on charisma. And what separates them from the other notable divine caster, the Cleric, is that instead of having a very clear, direct connection with their deity. The Oracle gets divine spells from a deity, but it manifests in like a weird, mysterious, cursy way, kind of like you're infected with something or it seems less deliberate than a cleric. And as you use your powers that are associated with your curse or your mystery, the curse manifests in different ways, which usually have a benefit and a drawback as you progress those benefits and drawbacks get more and more severe it's a very fun class to play i play vec on bestow curse I'm a, I'm a life oracle i love it i don't think it's a class that i would introduce to a first time 2e player because you have that scaling up and down of the sometimes complex mysteries and curses but the flavor on it is pretty unbeatable I love it. I'm having so much fun playing an Oracle. Thoughts on Oracles? 
I've played one. Yeah. They're fine. They're not really my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And I think you're playing one of the few fun iterations of one. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about <laughs> so, that. So we'll, we'll talk through that. I really don't like a class that, especially in second edition, that varies so much on its viability, mm-hmm. um, which we will get into. And that kind of detracts from my fun with an oracle is that I feel like there are maybe four paths that you can take that aren't severely hampering borderline trap options. Yes, there are definitely trap options here. You're right. Only a few of these really are super viable. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to put oracles in a box. It's hard for me to put them in a box. Like if you had a gun to your head and someone was like, what is an oracle's role on the battlefield? You can't really answer that question easily, right? Well, you could have a life oracle that's a heal bot. You could have a battle oracle that's supposed to be frontlining. Like, they're kind of a switch hitter, and a lot of the things that they try to hit on, they miss. <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, you have like a lot of skill focused mysteries, or like, it's kind of strange because at the end of the day, no matter what your mystery is, you are a full caster mm-hmm. and you have the full casting progression. And so fuck what your mystery tells you. You're not good at anything besides that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it because we got 10 of these to get through. I don't think we're going to go super in depth into all of these because when you're looking at these Oracle stat blocks and all of this stuff you get, you get benefits from a mystery just inherent when you pick up the class. You get a trained skill, a granted cantrip, which sometimes comes from the divine list, sometimes doesn't. You get special revelation spells, related domains, and then you have the full curse progression And we can't run through all of that for 10 options. That's going to take us two hours. So we're just going to hit highlights here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to start off with the Ancestors one. Yeah. So what's the lowest one? D? D. 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 Okay. So hear me out on the Ancestors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The mystery benefit you get is two extra fucking Ancestry feats. Yes. Which Which is dog shit. Dog shit. But thematic, Thematic, Ancestors Ancestry feats. Uh, So dog shit and also they can't be physical Ancestry feats, Mm -hmm. which makes that even worse. Yes. Because almost all of the good Ancestry feats are physical manifestation feats. I do like the flavor of this particular mystery in that you have the spirits of your ancestors vying for not control over your body, but like influence over what you do. But the way that manifests in your curse. And by the way, I think I'm going to shout out every single curse name because they're so cool sounding. For ancestors, it's the curse of ancestral meddling, where you have different ancestors that are good at different things. And when you're in battle, as your curse progresses, every single round that you are in combat you roll i think it's a d4 to determine which ancestor gets control of your body and so there's a martial ancestor a skillful one a spell casting one and then basically a dealer's choice on on the four of the d4 but Uh, but the problem is that's where you're wrong though steve because it's just when you get the minor curse you do that roll so you're stuck with that all fucking day oh which makes this horrific Oh, oh, that's so much fucking worse. So essentially the D4 is a one, your ancestor is martial focused, a two, your ancestor is skillful, mm-hmm. a three, ancestor is spellcasting, a four, you get to choose. So basically you have a 50-50 shot every day 
of getting spellcasting, which is the only one you want here, uh-huh. uh, and and benefits your spellcasting and makes yep. your spellcasting a little bit better. So it gives your non-cantrip spells a status bonus to their damage or healing equal to the spell level. That's the moderate curse, and then gets a little bit better with the major curse. Every other one benefits that type of thing. So you get like a benefit on skill checks, or you get a benefit on your attack rolls, which you would never want. Um, the huge drawback here is with any level of the curse, anytime you attempt to do an action that is not either like, so if you get the spell casting one, anytime you try and do an action that is not cast a spell in combat, you need to roll a flat check or you can't do it. Yeah, that's bad times. It's bad. And the only one you would ever want is spell casting, but that still fucks with your versatility because you can't like intimidate without making a flat check. But if you don't get spell casting, you are basically stupefied immediately at the start of every day. So that's a D. And it gets like it gets worse. Yep. Like, oh, it's just so bad. <laughs> yeah, so we're putting that one at a D. Let's move on to Ash. Now, Ash is a weird one. It comes from the back matter of one of the volumes of Blood Lords. So the flavor beyond this is that you can kind of interpret it one of two ways, either a more nihilistic way in that like everything burns down and turns to ash. So I have a connection to ash because I like to see the world burn or like a phoenix rising from the ashes rebirthing kind of thing. You get resistances to physical damage. The curse itself is called the Curse of Creeping Ashes, another banger name. I think the curse is not bad for this one. Dude, the benefit is amazing. Yeah. Half your level in DR and a plus two circumstance bonus to saves and DCs against like any of the combat maneuvers. Yes. Is awesome. So like people aren't touching you. And so to expound on that, when your curse progresses, sure, your speed drops a little bit, but ash surrounds you you're concealed and if you don't move which you might not be with that slower move speed anyway it's difficult terrain around you in a 10 foot emanation so like you're hard to get to mm-hmm. and hard to hit because you're concealed there of course are some drawbacks to all of that that I'm kind of glossing over but like it's fucking good you can stay in one place and cast spells which is exactly what an oracle wants to do yep and like the ash and wind incendiary ashes and ash form revelation spells are good i mean this for me is an a tier i was 100 going to put this in a and honestly the only reason it's not s tier for me is because i think ash is a kind of limited theme oh sure like realistically i think there's like not a ton of character concepts that work with this Mm -hmm. unless to your point you're kind of targeting those like specific thematic things with ash like god if you're playing an ifrit or something Mm -hmm. i think that works so well with this like synergizes with this even might synergize with the concealment i know ifrits get like that smoke sight or you know you might be able to use it with ash i don't know Ooh, if that's the case that's pretty cool because you and creatures in your aura are concealed which basically would translate to you're concealed but the creatures in your aura are Are that you would attack if they get up close to you would not be. And the concealment would benefit your allies if they're next to you because it just says creatures, not allies or enemies. Mm -hmm. This is fucking good. Again, I also would be a little hard pressed to throw it into S, but damn if it's not close to S. Yeah, I mean, damn if it's not. 
The, if we had an A+, I'd throw it right there. Yeah, I think the only, like, bad thing is when, like, the major curse gives you, like, that weakness to fire. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, getting a weakness is tough, but... Yeah. And we'll see that again a couple times. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a, it's tough, but almost every <laughs> every fucking oracle gets some kind of weakness to something. So yeah. All right. Well, let's go to three. This one is the battle oracle, and I'm just going to read the first thing that I have written in my notes. Like this is a huge fucking trap, right? Yeah. So this is kind of the oracle's equivalent of a war priest, mm-hmm. in that you get a little bit better or sooner progression in like armor and weapons I believe you might get like martial weapons Mm -hmm. and medium armor is that true I believe you get medium and heavy armor you do and then proficiency will go up eventually but this is supposed to be an oracle it's the common thing that happens in Pathfinder and similar games where it's a trap in that you're taking a caster and trying to push them into a melee role. Despite the fact that you have medium and heavy armor, which is certainly going to help your AC, as your curse progresses, the curse is called the Curse of the Hero's Burden. Great name again. You're taking a penalty to AC and saving throws in rounds that you don't attack, which if you're a battle oracle, okay, sure, you're going to be attacking a lot, but there are going to be turns because this is a game where you can't, where you need to reposition yourself on the battlefield or someone gets away from you. Or again, if you want to do the thing that like this class gets legendary proficiency in, which is cast a fucking mm-hmm. spell, good fucking luck. I don't think you'll you'll argue with me on this, but I can't bring this out of the D tier. This is I, bad. I kind of feel like it's C tier. I think, think so? it, I think it gets more than Ancestors does. Okay, it gets more than Ancestors does. Give me something here. Like, what's the redeemable part of this? The redeemable part of this is we're calling it really bad because it doesn't get like the full progression that a martial class does. Mm-hmm. But through the middle levels, it actually has like better armor than most martial classes with that heavy armor and having like expert proficiency in it. And, you know, you do get martial weapon proficiency. You will be an expert in martial weapons at a a level. level. Yeah, but like, you know. And then you never advance beyond that. Right. So what I'm saying is like for the low mid levels, it's on par with a martial class and you have your spell casting and you're getting benefits to like your damage, you're getting like extra damage. You're the divine spell list, so you have a solid list of buff spells. You know, it's not bad for early to mid levels. It's just, it doesn't scale well because it's got the same problem as War Priest where like the, you don't scale like a marshal at all in your armor and weapons. So, Mm. you, you know, once you get to a certain point, you're like, meh. I don't know that I'm completely swayed, but you seem passionate enough that let's throw it in C. And it's not as I'll... dog shit as ancestors. I, <laughs> right. I promise you. I mean, when you set the floor that low, let's talk about bones. So, bones is an interesting one. I kind of like bones. Yeah, I think bones is a good mystery. It's balanced around death and undeath. You've had a brush with death, so. Potentially, you could use this in a Blood Lords or something like an undead focus campaign, but they also call out that you could be friends with a deity like Phrasma or a Psychopomp or something. 
And you have this curse of living death where as your curse progresses, you appear to rot and become closer and closer to death. The really cool thing I like about this is the mystery benefit in that you can choose every day whether you align yourself to positive or negative energy. So if you have negative energy and you're a living creature, you gain negative healing. It's a super niche use case, but it would be interesting to play like a living cleric in a party of undead. And then if you already had negative healing because you were undead or something, the DC of your recovery checks is equal to nine plus your current dying value, which is a hair better than what it normally is. So I think it's pretty good. I think I'd be, you know, uh, a little little stretch to push it into A or S. I, I actually think I can be convinced. I actually do think it's it. I, I think it's it. If you were playing Bloodlords with a negative healing party, this would be just as good as Vec. Yes. So. Mm, you don't get the D12. But yeah, very good. Yeah. Right. And with the ability to basically be one of the best necromancers in the game mm-hmm. although you know necromancer isn't like a huge thing in 2e like with claim undead the curse is like super pillowy <laughs> like compared to some of those other curses yeah i think it's a i can throw it in a i i, I, I think i think it, it's b or a with like with different considerations like it's definitely b if you're in a like living party or sure. if you're not planning on like taking advantage of like having undead minions. I think if we hold it to the same standard that we did battle, whereas this could shine in the right circumstances, it's 100% A. If we're looking to slot it into any campaign ever, it's not an A. But let's operate under that assumption that under ideal circumstances or, you know, favorable circumstances. I think you kind of got to take most of these with under ideal circumstances man like i mean <laughs> let, let's be honest yeah. n- none of these would break c tier if it was uh oh, was i don't agree with that classes. we'll get there i don't agree with that but cosmos big dr on the mystery you get physical resistance equal to two plus half your level which over the course of your campaign is going to add up a ton this is a great option if you are playing a character that is associated with deities from across the stars so your desnas of the world but also you could kind of take the evil slant to it and hook up with some outer gods your lovecraftian pantheon or something like a, a zonkathon or something this actually makes me mad that it's like literally just a straight upgrade on the ash uh, <laughs> dr yeah it, i mean i, it I guess the, the ash gets like a a save benefit or something too. I think, well, okay, the DR on this is better, but I think Ash has the better curse because this curse is just kind of, and the curse is called Curse of the Sky's Call. Um, it's a lot to do with movement and trip attempts and falls and jumping, which I think is interesting, but. Treat it as one size smaller for wind effects. Okay, that happens all the fucking time. Right, let's be honest here. This is not as useful as the Ash curse. Boy, I kind of wish somebody took this like in Malevolence or something. This would be really cool. Um, I I like this one. I honestly think Cosmos might be as close to an all-rounder S tier as we're going to get. I think Cosmos, even outside of ideal conditions, is a good one to pick. Yeah, the revelation spells, which we haven't talked about much on any of the other 
entries here are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Spray of Stars, Interstellar Void, Moonlight Bridge. We won't go into details here, but I was reading up about all of those earlier. They're pretty decent. Curse benefits and drawbacks aren't terrible. Who I struggle to push this into S here. I feel like this is going into A, but in A, we already have Ash and Bones. Yeah, I, I just... I at or above those? I think this is above those. Okay. I think this is better in more circumstances. I think Cosmos, you could slot into almost any campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's super flavorful, but you can take that flavor in a ton of different ways. 100%. The curse is just nothing. Like... <laughs> The curse is as nothing as you're going to get from an Oracle curse. Yeah. The the benefit is as juicy as you're going to get from an Oracle benefit. You can do exactly what an Oracle wants to do, which is cast spells, stay out of the way, and you get benefits to doing that. I mean, like, we haven't even talked about the domains, but, like, no. the darkness domain's great for divine access. Like, I just think, it, I think it's good. All right. We got five more of these to go. I did drop that into the S tier. Next one up is Flames. This is, I mean, fucking... Flames is fun. I've played a Flames Oracle, but... Right. What do you want me to say about the flavor? It's the flame one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fire. Yeah, but it's got the Curse of Engulfing Flames. You want to talk about this one? Because you played, you have the most experience with it? Sure, yeah. So the benefit here is you're better than any other Oracle at Reflex Saves, <laughs> which, you know, is great. Um, reflex saves happen a lot but what's really good about this curse I think is honestly the revelation spells 100%, 100%. Uh, like the incendiary aura just does so much persistent fire damage mm-hmm. and it's pretty easy to set up the combo there of kicking on your incendiary aura and then you have this granted cantrip of produce flame which is not on the divine list so that's nice to get so you trigger the incendiary aura And if someone's close to you, you blast them the next round with your produce flame and they're immediately taking persistent damage. Pretty good. Yeah. The curse is tough because as an Oracle, you don't want to be like that close to your enemies. Mm -hmm. And the minor curse basically makes creatures further than 30 feet away concealed from you. And you can't benefit from anything that would mitigate the concealment. The moderate then like makes everything concealed from you um except you can automatically overcome the concealment if you're casting a fire spell so yeah it's tough you can like suppress the aura with an action so that's something that's kind of unique with curses like that you don't normally get is that you can like suppress the curse but it costs you an action it's not terrible but it's definitely punishing I feel I like, want it in the B tier. Yeah, I, I feel like Flames is a solid B. Yeah. It's I, definitely fun. It's definitely like, you know, Flame is certainly a concept. Like, I played a, a goblin, of course. Like, mm-hmm. you know, makes sense. Goblins would love the Flame Oracle thing. You can light yourself on fire and whatever. It's the best blaster of them, I guess oh, sure. I would say. But sure. like, blasting isn't really something you want to do on the divine spell list on the divine spell list at close range yeah it's like okay this is playing with fire all right let's move on to the next one the next one is life oracle i will just read what i have written in my agenda s tier class option i will not be entertaining counter arguments this fucking rocks i'm having so much fun playing a life oracle if you haven't listened to bestow curse you really should if you want to hear how this plays in game 
You are a being that is racked with a never-ending flow of positive energy. It is always spilling it through your body. Things grow around you. Cuts heal quickly. Scars fade in the people around you. The flavor is really cool. The mystery benefit may not be as flavorful as some of the other ones. You get extra hit points per level, but that's very important when some of your spells are granted like lifelink and it's a little harder to heal you at the expense of being able to heal others better. Curse is called Curse of Outpouring Life. The most important thing in this curse is in the moderate stage that your heal spells heal with a capital H instead of d8s you're rolling d12s so you get some fucking monster heals out of this class when you cast any non-cantrip spell you do that spell's level in healing to the target or a nearby target of course as you progress later you're basically impossible to heal with magical healing but you should be the only magical healer in the party so that literally shouldn't matter And then Major Curse, which is something that we haven't gotten to on the show yet, but I hope to one day as you cast high level spells, healing energy rips through you and you basically get free three action heals at a much lower level, of course. But every time you cast high level spells, you have this burst of positive energy that rips out of your body. I fucking love this class. This has to be S tier. Yeah, I agree with your enthusiasm for it putting it in S tier, I would just say like it doesn't do anything else. Oh, yeah. So that's that's fair. You're a healer. It's it's S tier for healing. Mm -hmm. It's the best healer in the game. If you want to do anything else, it doesn't do anything else. Yes. And because we're grading this on ideal circumstances, we're assuming that you 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 want to be a healer healing a all living party. And that's pretty much all you want to do. And that's all I want to do in Bestow Curse. So it's S. Very fair call out that there will be situations where this is not great. I think it's like the two S tier we have right now are kind of opposite. Yes. Like, I think you could do everything an Oracle could possibly do with a Cosmos Oracle. Mm -hmm. And you can do most of it well. I think, you know, you are literally the embodiment of healing as a life Oracle. Mm -hmm. And that puts that in S tier, even though the other thing in S tier is there for its versatility, basically. It's, it's, you know different flavors but it but it both works let's talk about another one i really am curious as to what you think about this one this is the lore mystery so this mystery is about knowing things boy why does this exist uh, the mystery benefit is great let's yeah. let's just call extra it that spell per level extra spell per level for a class that's starved for spells per level mm-hmm. perfect but everything else i don't know you're this is not an intelligence-based class and this mystery is all about knowledges so i guess you could pump your int but like you kind of shouldn't be doing that the curse is kind of wild you take a penalty to your initiative checks and then at the beginning of every round you get free recall knowledges but they're at 10 plus your proficiency with nothing else that being said those are supposed to be like lore knowledge, so it should be at the lower DC. I'm kind of talking myself in circles there, yeah. but I really don't think this is a valuable option. What are your thoughts? Um, I think access lore is like kind of makes you the the best knowledge 
character for combat. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to spend a focus spell to do it. But um, the, the whole thing about this lore mystery that makes it valuable is the fact that you can be versatile in the lore you know. And lore in second edition is powerful because you can gain a lot more information at a lower DC. So the good thing about the lore oracle is that you essentially can like swap around your lore. And mm-hmm. I could I could very easily be like, okay, now I have lore vampire, which is a specific lore. I roll that at my oracle casting proficiency, which is legendary. I now know everything about your stupid monster. I guess that's true. I don't want to be like talking out of both sides of my mouth playing Matumbe, who's like the lore yeah. god. But I don't know. I was reading this and I was I just wasn't excited about this. Maybe, you know, maybe that's a little hypocritical with how much excitement that I had for the life oracle, which is, you know, specialized into one thing and this is specced into something else. I just don't know. I also don't know that like the flavor there is that exciting. I don't know, man. I yeah, maybe, I think maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it was upon you know, reading it at first. But like, it just, sucks for the moderate curse, but like free action recall knowledge is, is pretty dope, even though it's basically asking you to give um like take assurance. You know what I mean? You're sure. getting ten plus your proficiency yeah. bonus. But I think so. So what I think you use this one for is you keep taking that like additional lore, uh, feet or whatever. Feet, yeah, and yeah, it's and you like you, yeah, it's general, and you just like stack lures, and then like I think in a lot of these, it's like yeah, flat-footed sucks. You know, so does not being able to see anything past three feet. So does you know, it, it's a it's a bad penalty, but plenty of these curses are bad penalties. But if you have an incredible knowledge skill, sure, it might be Volt versatile or whatever. You do it. That's the first round of combat. But that's kind of it, right? Like if you're fighting one creature and you have a great recall knowledge, you have a great recall knowledge. And then what do you do the rest of the combat? I guess just do your regular like Oracle spellcasty stuff. But that's not like exciting or flavorful or interesting. Right. But you have an extra spell per level over every other Oracle. Yeah. So that's huge as well. I'm just saying it's not like it's not like worthless. Like this is. You know? No, 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 no. And that's not, I don't think that's the ar- ar- argument I'm trying to make. It's just that, like, this is not exciting to me. That's fair. And I think somebody that wants to play a Matumbe like character would be excited yeah. by this. So I think, you know, this isn't exciting to you, just like somebody that doesn't want to be a heel bot wouldn't be excited by life. But, it, but it, what's the argument there? Is the argument there that this makes it like an A or S tier class? I don't think it makes it A or S tier. I, I think it's a solid B, though. I think that's fair. Like again, it wouldn't be my first choice or idea for a class that like knows stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I'd want to be like an investigator or a thaumaturge or something. But like you're telling me I can be a legendary caster with an extra spell per level and spell slot mm-hmm. and have like all of this free knowledge shit and all I got to do is stay out of the way of combat, which I was going to do anyway. Okay, like, I mean, those sound like extra gravy benefits that I would take for the flavor of this. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll toss that in B. We got two more to get through. We got to get through these kind of snappy because we got so much shit to do today. And we got to hit a couple questions. Tempest. This is seemingly kind of the thematic opposite of Flames. You're 
storms. So uh, focus on water and wind and electricity. You get electric arc, arguably the best damaging cantrip in the game so far and not inherently on the divine list. So that is a great Bennett to have right off the rip. When you're doing physical damage with a non-cantrip air or water spell, you do an additional one electricity damage per spell level. Is your little mystery benefit or is part of your mystery benefit. And then, uh, I don't know, the, the curse seems kind of fine. Nothing crazy about it. I mean, honestly, like, what do you, what's the best way to approach this one? Like, play like a sylph and get electricity yes. re- resistance or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you have weakness and resistance and it's going to, like, balance out. Right. You know? That's the cool, the, one of the coolest benefits to me is like, I'm definitely taking like all of the like fog spells mm-hmm. so that I can see through them. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to cast an obscuring mist on myself in the back of the party and 100%. be concealed to everybody and then just zap people from range. Let's see. I mean, like, you aren't affected by the difficult terrain. I think this is another one where it's like, this one sucks if you're like in close quarters. Mm hmm. I think there's a couple of them that suck if you're in close quarters because, like, Ash sucks if you're in close quarters. And we still gave that an A. I would have to actually look how much air and water spells are on the fucking divine list. It seems like, probably unsurprisingly, their revelation spells target that. But I mean, that's. Right, and I, I think you're. And that's subject to the same issue that every single iteration under this class has where they all have the curse bound traits. So you have to be very careful when you use them. Right. You I mean, spam you're, them. you're definitely using divine access to get the spells from one of the deities with the air or water domain. Mm-hmm. Just like you have to with the flames Oracle though. It's yeah. like, you can't get fireball and stuff on a flames Oracle unless you take divine access. So that point's kind of moot. I think a tier on this one. I mean, I think this one's oh. not a bad curse, like yeah. easy to mitigate curse, really cool benefit. But I think kind of like Ash, it's like I I see limited potential for like role playing this. I think this is a pretty good entry level Oracle. I think like this would be a good Oracle for something like when we're playing Skulls and Shackles. Like I think this Tempest Oracle would be like, okay, absolutely. It was really interesting, man, because we were coming in hot a little bit at the beginning of this. And the majority of these are in the upper tier of the power ranking list. I think it's tough because like (laughs) D tier is so bad. Well, <laughs> we got one more to go. Yeah. And this comes straight out of the Dark Archive. This is the Time Oracle. Boy, flavor on this one, grand. Hey, really, really like it. Associated with time, and as your curse progresses, you appear to age, and you can move quickly because you move quickly through time. And when you are affected, with something that has a, a duration, that duration is halved because you're moving quickly through time. Like, mm-hmm. this is cool. Yeah. But seems kind of punishing. Yeah. There's a lot here. What are your thoughts on this one? I don't know. Right off the rip, I don't think the benefit's very good. Yeah. The mystery benefit's kind of rough. I think you can certainly, like, get some good stuff with, like, the time domain for divine access and that kind of thing. I just, <laughs> the curse is rough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start enfeebled, which, you know, I know there's another one that does that, and you get a penalty against fatigue and slowing effects. Like having the duration of all spells and effects is, I guess, a boon and a bust. 
mm-hmm. right? You know, anything beneficial, it sucks. But like, is it good for a poison or does it just make that poison kill you very fast? Exactly. The time for each stage is reduced by half. So I guess you'll know if you die quicker. Yeah. Like, I don't know if like a six round poison then becomes a three round poison and only affects you. I think that's what they are saying here. But does it affect you twice per round? Oh, I don't think that. But it. so are you saying there's like six levels to the poison? I'm saying like, a you know, a, a poison that has a poison that lasts for six rounds would normally have like stage one, stage two, stage three. Yeah. And, you know, each round for six rounds, you'd be saving against it. Mm-hmm. In this case, do you only have to save against it for three? Like, do you only have to make three saves versus six? Um, I don't know offhand. That sounds right. But then, you know, the other side to that is any beneficial spell or something has a half duration. So I don't know. This one, um, I don't think I will play it. Just seems like something that is going to be kind of rough. It's tough. And then in your major curse, you're literally slowed. Yeah. That sucks shit. I think part of the benefit of it is that in second edition, there's a lot less of the like long term buffing Mm -hmm. like there was in first edition. Like this would be an absolute no in first edition. 100 uh, I still think it's like like dude the divine list is so filled with buffs like that should be what your oracle is doing mm-hmm. uh, I I gotta say like C dude C was exactly where I wanted yeah, to put this I, I would do this over ancestors but really not by much <laughs> not by much yeah I, I think the only reason ancestors is lower is because it like completely invalidates what you want to do mm-hmm. 50% of the time so if that's our final ranking, a quick recap. We have two in the S tier. That's Cosmos and Life. We have three in the A tier, Ash, Bone, Tempest. Two in the B tier, Flames and Lore. Two in the C tier, Battle and Time. And then bringing up the rear is D with Ancestors. Again, I'm a little surprised that we have as much in the high levels as we do. Maybe a little bit higher weighted than maybe we initially thought I think the biggest thing is that these are all being ranked against each other if I was ranking these against any other class mm-hmm. once again it would be like okay none of these are really good yeah or, or like you know life is very good because it's the best healer in the game like I would even say like life might be an S tier like life oracle might be an S tier against other classes but I think cosmos would drop to like a B tier I think that's accurate you know what i yeah. mean and and that's but, because like cosmos is an all-rounder you know spellcaster mm-hmm. oracle is just not a good spellcaster <laughs> compared to the <laughs> other spellcasters really i mean like i don't want the divine list to do attacky things mm-hmm. and i think that's what really hurts like flames and tempest and ash even is that like yeah you get like this bonus to certain types of spells but those spells don't really exist on the divine list mm-hmm I mean, Tempest gets the best cantrip in the game, sure, but but you know, Vec took that with an ancestor, right? You can, like, you can you, get that other there's, ways. There's ways you can do that. Yeah. We are running a little long on time, so I think that's a good place to end our power rank kill. You're right. That is a fun segment. We got to do that more often. But because we are tight in time, I think we're just going to do one listener question. This one is a little bit of a chunkier one, though. Question from Satirical Bard. This question is a bit randomly timed since it's not coming off the back of an app with a big character reveal, but I'm super curious about your collective approach to PC secrets and reveals. Is that something you do slash we're doing already in home games, or is it something you've added because this is a show with a listening audience? 
Also curious about whether all the other players already know the secrets or if you're getting the same oh wow experience as the audience when we hear about spoilers for PC's reveals. Lastly, how much of this have you as players worked these arcs out with Griff in advance versus saying, I want something around this, but I'm happy for Griff to decide the details and reveal them to me as much as the other players slash PCs in the audience. So there's a lot in this question, but I think essentially what it boils down to is how do we handle PC secrets on the pod? Mm -hmm. And I think the answer probably is we adjust the speed to the secret. So there are secrets that we have that like the Vec one from Bestow Curse that was specifically just between Griff and I. And I know some things Griff knows all, but then we have other character secrets that are public knowledge between the players that are waiting to be revealed on the show where maybe the PC knows just as much as Griff knows because you've collaborated. I think the Vec one is a specific thing because it's a Oracle curse and mystery and me and the character are learning about where that came from and, and what it actually means as it goes. But we set it up together and I just kind of handed it off to you and I said like, hey, let's figure this out together. Hey, I want to be 120 years old. Yes. So to kind of go into detail about the many things asked in this question, we didn't really do this in home games before the pod. Mm -hmm. I mean, to a much lesser extent, we maybe had some secrets. I remember back in, in like Dead Sons, my big secret was that like, my character was what kicked off the job gone bad for uh, John's character that like set him up for mm -hmm. a life of adventure that like wasn't revealed. It wasn't revealed that I was like on the wrong side of that deal until like book six. So there are certain things that like we've always done, but I think those kind of like developed more as we, as we played our home games. The way secrets tend to work with the podcast is you know, I'm given a backstory that is however pages long from each of the players. And oftentimes they give me hooks that I get to use. For instance, like I'll use Vec as, as an example because, you know, it's somewhat fresh with Bestow Curse, so spoilers there. But, you know, Steve kind of said, I, I want my curse to work this way. Like, I want my curse to have been, like, have me in stasis, like, have my grandpa kind of, like, be it be what's keeping him alive, potentially. And I took that, gave him no further detail on the inner workings of that, but just kind of set my own lore around that that I'm revealing. If I can hop in for just a second, I think what's notable here is that the time this episode drops... You are, as a listener, as knowledgeable as I am with what's going on with Vec, essentially. Like, what you've heard so far is basically what Griff and I have planned together. And then beyond that, I said, take the reins with it. Yeah, like any of the, you know, any of the speaking as Lanty and all of that kind of stuff was never run by Steve. Mm -hmm. Like the, you know, the eyes changing color and that kind of stuff is all a part of the grander reveal. Very similarly with Diego, it's like, Chris is like, I, you know, I want to, <laughs> I want to be a, um, a dust walker, which means I've died. Mm -hmm. And I said, cool. 
Duskwalkers don't remember any of their past lives. So I'm taking so neither that. Do you. So neither <laughs> do you. Yeah, so I'm taking that and I'm gonna run with that. And so you have like nine lives and you have even further implications with the Shuanti because this character has lived multiple lives. But, you know, none of that is known by Chris or revealed to like none of the specifics of that are known or revealed. That's just the way I GM. Mm -hmm. So I like people to have their like character reveals and I like it to be 50 50. Yes, this part of my character is getting revealed to the rest of the group. And then, oh shit, even I didn't know that piece. Yes. Like, I like everyone at the table to be surprised with a character reveal if it's a really big deal kind of thing. We've done it with like the Carrying Crown characters as well. Like, I tend to like put these plot points in for these characters based off of the character's backstory that's given to me. Oftentimes, you'll remember, you know, recently with like Matumbe, it was like, leading up to book five I was like book five's your book yeah yeah you know like we, i did the same thing with brooks so it's like book three's your book like this is the book where we're gonna get into some shit that you don't know about mm -hmm. so just be prepared because i'm gonna be like in a little bit closer contact with you about shit that's coming up so you can prepare for it a little bit and in that matumbe example it was hey here's the backstory of this character he got the book from a cleric who was dying who died alongside his daughter and do with that what you will. Mm -hmm. And then Griff did with that what he will. You just said, you know, knowing 50-50, that's how I like it as a player. I don't want to know every little thing about my character. And I don't think anybody else on the podcast network wants to know every single thing about their character either. What's the fun in that? You're going to show up, play the game and just sit there with a shit-eating grin every time something exciting happens that has to do with you, that's not fun. You want to be surprised. You want to, you know, you want things to change in a good way. I, I don't know. I like having a little mystery and learning. Yeah, I think it's really hard to build investment when your backstory is all there is to your character. You know, you can be as invested in your character as you want, but your character is not going to be dynamic if you don't let me pull the strings. If you already know how the story ends, how interesting is that to play for 250 episodes? Right. Not very. So. Right. It's like, you know, it, it's the same thing with like Sylvie now where it's like she's she knew everything about like this. Like I was like, hey, you want to be a part of a noble family? This one is the one that's a noble family because they they're the only people that ever won this, you know, this mm -hmm. Academy uh, breaching festival thing. She's like completely bought into that. Yeah. Had no idea that there's like a, well, you know, Papa made a pact with some sort of devil <laughs> to win that. All right. Well, I hope we hit everything on the question there. This was a good one. I don't think it was specifically asked as a zone of truth question. And then I got back to satirical bar and I was like, we're doing this on zone of truth because this will be perfect, especially for this episode when we were talking about oracles and curses and mysteries and uh, mystery truly beverages and stuff. Before we get out of here, you got to do a little wrap up in housekeeping. So Griff, you are still on Redshift Rally with STF and friends. That's usually kicking off Monday nights. We're getting close to the finale. I've been listening along. I think, yeah, I think um, got we got 11 episodes out going out to 15 ish. We should be live on the 20th and the 27th of 
March, and I'm told that the 27th will be the end of Redshift Rally. Oh, maybe a little earlier than I thought. That's yeah, awesome. So, Very exciting. Um, they're probably going to be long <laughs> sessions, <laughs> according to Adam, but it should be really fun. Uh, I think you don't have it on your list, but I'm going to announce it here. I think we're wrapping up book three of Attack of the Swarm on, yes. in March, or we're finishing the recording for that, which means you can probably look for that sometime in April. So, yeah, probably at the beginning of April, quick. Uh, which will be awesome because I, I know we've released a little bit of that recently, but it's been a long time. And obviously it's kind of cool to finish half an adventure path that we're just kind of like fucking around. With. <laughs> <laughs> it it feels so weird fun. to be like, wow, we finished half of that adventure path. Yeah. Besides that, we are going to have some new cool, fun guests coming up on Zone of Truth, I promise. And then got a little announcement. Oh, yeah? April, coming around the corner. And we got a live Zone of Truth that we're going to have to do for the patrons. It's my pleasure to announce that on Holy Saturday itself, April 8th, it's Poseidon's Bounty 3, Shrimp Ahoy. (laughs) So, you know, if you don't like hearing food sounds, skip that one. Just do it. Oh, yeah. Don't bother yeah. listening to it. Especially skip it live. It's going to be nasty. Yeah. And because of the premise, I don't think I'm cutting anything out of the edit. Oh, no. <laughs> because should we say the premise? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poseidon's Bounty 3 Shrimp Ahoy on, on Holy Saturday will be a shrimp power hour where we will be doing one shrimp every minute for 60 minutes plus one shot of beer so it's gonna be awful it's gonna be really bad yeah, yeah that's, we're, uh, we're going with apps this year for yeah, the shrimp yeah the shrimp nibblers mm-hmm. so from somewhere we don't know yet we don't know where yet um it's gonna be it's gonna be griff myself and chris it's gonna be live you guys are gonna be able to watch this in real time and uh wish us luck pray for us but to that end Lots to get excited for. Griff, is there anything you want to say to the people at home? No, finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later.